This is Kyla. This is Jess. Welcome to Broads Abroad. We're two broads abroad. <laughs> this podcast talks about adapting and settling in abroad, health and wellness abroad, food and shopping abroad. Okay, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Let's talk about community, parenting, dating, travel, women and culture, women at work, women and leadership. Pretty much this podcast talks about everything you need to know about living abroad, staying abroad, surviving abroad, getting, getting abroad. abroad. <laughs> I think we're going to need wine. Definitely, definitely going to be. Oh, women and wine. Women and oh, wine. There you go. All right. Please join us for Broads Abroad. Can't wait. All right. So Jessica and I have just spent like the past 30 minutes trying to do something really important. <laughs> Extremely important, not just 30 minutes. Let's be honest with our listeners, like three days. <laughs> We're trying to do- Into different times. <laughs> We're trying to do Zoomioki. This, this idea of karaokeing via Zoom, because we're all getting really good at Zoom, whether it be through distance learning with students or meetings or family connection, uh, Zoom's super cool among other platforms, of course, but we're trying to karaoke and for some reason, I think we're alone now by Tiffany, just will not sync on both of our computers at the same time. We're like a split second off and it's driving us both crazy. So we decided to pause our Zoomioki and move into our episode four for our Broads Abroad podcast. I'm so excited. I think that this whole theme about um, Zoomioki is trying to be creative with the different things that we need to live in this new normal and this challenge that everyone's living. And I think it's important to talk about it because um, a lot of us are living similar things in the sense of if you are foreign going through a difficult adaptation period or in something unprecedented as we're living, these are the kinds of things that keep your spirits up. And it's so important to connect with community by doing that. And just the fact that we've dedicated so much time and high level of engagement, just trying to figure out this new app and learn something new. I think <laughs> even though we weren't successful, man, did we have fun doing it. And eventually we're going to get that up and aired. Soon. I was, I was going to say the truth is that we are both determined enough to be successful with this. So it will happen. Um, we will get our songs up. So here's because, a question. Do you think that being abroad uh, has taught you or any of that determination to continue doing that? Or were you always like that? Do you mean being abroad like overseas or do you mean being abroad like a woman? Because <laughs> <laughs> actually I will say I think both, both of those things have taught me that determination. I do think that um, from a young age, I was raised by a single mom for my early years. Um, and I think watching her determination as a woman navigating her way as a parent and uh, eventually as a professional um, was really um, inspiring for me. And it, it really encouraged me to become the person that I have become. I think it also made me just a bit of a, like a goal setter and person that really thrives on accomplishing those goals. 
Um, and so, yeah, being a woman, I think, is part of the whole, um, the reason why I do tend to decide I'm going to zoom okay and then just call you every night and make, try to make this happen. But also I think being overseas, being abroad, um, contributes to that as well, because I think that you are faced with so many different challenges, like things as simple as getting groceries and going to the the tax office or the visa office, they take you so much longer when you're doing it without your regular comforts, without your native language and all of those things. So I think that both of those things contribute a lot, being abroad, like a woman, and being overseas. Well, Um, I'm really glad you mentioned both of those because uh, being abroad and how you learn to navigate through those challenges, which kind of ties in to where we left off in the last couple episodes and how we brought um, our friends in to kind of, you know, delve into a little deeper in those topics. But I like that you chose abroad, <laughs> abroad as a nice, you know, like way to describe a woman when I just learned recently. The oh my gosh. <laughs> so Jessica, FYI, sent me a WhatsApp the other day. She had not fully understood what abroad, the word broad actually meant. And like in many ways, the word broad is derogatory. It can be a little bit insulting or offensive. Um, I think that the term has become more general over the years, but I think that um, in the past, it, it did have some more derogatory connotations attached to it. I think it's quite funny. My grandma, who is, I think, 89, 90, she's got dementia. She doesn't know anybody anymore. And she's quite, uh, quite, I mean, it's sad, but it's also can be kind of entertaining when we go visit her. And when she's feeling frustrated or annoyed, she does pull out the insults and her best insult is to call the nurses broads. So <laughs> I thought of that when you sent me the definition when she's like, get out of here, you broad. Or she, she has that moment of frustration. She will use the word broad as an insult. Um, I think over the years, it's become more general to refer uh, to women, um, but it does have kind of that um, old-fashioned uh, meeting a cute girl at a bar kind of thing. Oh, actually, I don't know if that's old No, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. But I think, I mean, it's also that sense of empowerment. I mean, if you look at the definition, let's be honest. I mean, I found like promiscuous and like oh, you my said- derogatory. And obviously that's not the way we're using it. I think you've got a a very good and valid point, as you mentioned, you know, over the years, it's kind of changed and language evolves in that way too. I mean, we redefine things all the time uh, as colloquialisms, right? And I Mm -hmm. think that that term for us, you know, we like obviously how how it rhymed or how it connected in, in our podcast, but I think now it's just this empowerment sense of like, you know, these strong, you know, independent um, moments that we have as women to celebrate and you're going abroad. And, and it's the same way that the term can oftentimes be used to, in, you know, to empower, to empower women of things that used to be called derogatory that are now being used in a in a more positive and common way. So I just kind of made that connection and I thought it was interesting. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think even just The idea that um, women can now travel and go overseas so easily is an amazing thing in itself. And there is this idea, I think, of 
and going back to kind of an old fashioned phrase with regards to like cutting the apron strings, like letting go, Mm -hmm. leaving the nest. And all of us have to go through that process at some point in life. But when you go overseas, you go through it even, um, even more and more deeply. And I had an idea for this episode. I thought actually, because there's just so much going on and I'm seeing so much on Facebook and on social media about just ways to stay positive and ways to stay connected to the things that you love and the things you enjoy. I thought that you and I could talk today about travel. I'm seeing a lot of friends posting beach pictures um, as part of like a little movement to remind us all about, you know, our fond memories or places that we've been or want want to go or bucket list. Um, And I thought, you know what, how fun would it be for you and I right now uh, to go back into our memory bank um, of our time overseas abroad and talk about some of our favorite or most memorable travel. And so I I was thinking I was leaning towards, and this is more specifically because these are where my memories go. You might have different categories, but I was thinking of, let's talk about like a breathtaking um, travel memory. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about a ridiculous travel memory. Let's talk about a difficult travel memory. And then let's talk about a life-changing travel memory. So I don't know if we can do that all. We might have to do this in a part one and part two, but we can give it a try. So like something that took your breath away or was just amazing, something that's maybe a bit ridiculous and hilarious, something that was very challenging and difficult, and then something that was life-changing, like a trip that you took or something you did that was life-changing. Do you think those um, okay. Yeah, those are great. And uh I, I was thinking maybe they might all be the same trip <laughs> because <laughs> I think every single trip that I've ever taken um, with, you know, family or with friends or um, especially the ones that I've taken since living abroad, because I feel I'm more of a risk taker now. Every trip has, um, has elements of all of those pieces that, that mm-hmm. you mentioned. And That's I so think, true. Um, you know, as you're mentioning about this, this, challenging time that we're living in that we can't escape and um, that the reality of it, but to focus on those good memories that we have of these great experiences, what we learned and what we will have again. I mean, this is a, an important situation, but a temporary situation. Let's really start to build up that positivity and that, um, you know, mental well-being, those wonderful states of mind that we need to be in in order to not just get through this, but also to be ready for when those next steps can come into play. So I really like that. And I think that I can actually tie in all of those things to honestly every trip that I've been on since living in Mexico, because I feel that Mexico has taught me to learn how to appreciate things and learn how to navigate challenges. And I've been able to enjoy trips more. So I would start with my uh, trip to Thailand. I believe that it was um, in Krabi where I can definitely say I had that amazing moment. Um, We had been seeing temples. I um, had been rock climbing there. And as we were um, going on, I mean, just the most breathtaking views, and we would climb up these like spires that were in the middle of the water, and we would just let go when our arms were tired and fall into the water. And I was just thinking, man, this is just life changing. 
awe-inspiring. How is it possible that we get to do this? And so it started in Krabi, and uh, the main theme of, that I want to share with you when we were, what I was just, the gratefulness theme that entire trip. And there's this one moment where um, coming back from Krabi, we had gone um, into a temple um, in, 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 in one of the areas. Um, and well, we were in Bangkok at one point, Lantanoi in another, so it's kind of like a very, um, a very step, uh, trip done in steps. And I'll never forget because we had gotten actually into a tuk-tuk accident. I mean, those tuk-tuks are phenomenally interesting. They're very, like, <laughs> they are definitely a, an experience that you need mm -hmm. to have when you're in Thailand. And uh, we'd gotten into an accident. It had flipped over because the tuk-tuk driver had taken us up a hill to this place we wanted to go because everything in the area was closed. We were on a, a, a particular area uh, in Lantanoi at this point on an island and it was New Year's Eve. And um, there, it was what we didn't know because I was with, traveling with uh, you know, three other friends is that it was actually a couple's area. So great, but we weren't in any couples. We were just with friends and the entire place was shut down. There, everything, it was like 11 o'clock. We're like, it's New Year's. There's no New Year's parties. What are we going to do? So uh, the two, we got a tuk-tuk. They took us up to this party that they knew about, random remote place. The tuk-tuk flipped over, landed on my leg. <gasps> and um, I remember thinking, okay, my leg, my, the top part of, um, of my bone um, is going to break. Maybe I can move and just have it break my ankle. I mean, the things that you have to go through your mind when you're thinking like that. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to the hospital. And here's like just the, all these random things in your mind when you're under stress and uh, shock. And so anyways, it landed on, um, on my bone for a while, but something shifted the tuk-tuk and it moved and it landed up onto my calf. Incredibly painful, but it was no longer on the bone. And so um, we got up. I was so grateful. They're like, okay, what's going on? Are you broken? We've got to take you to the, the, the hospital. And I said, no, I'm, I'm fine. I still want to go out. I'm just in total shock. So we go out dancing. And the very next day when we went to this temple, that's where the story is going. We got to this temple and I remember just this overwhelming sense of gratitude of all of the things that we had lived. And you know, the temples um, in, in Thailand are, are gold leaf everywhere. And I remember sitting on this bench um, after going inside, just looking, and I started like, uh, I sat on the bench by myself and I was just rubbing the bruise on my leg from this tuk-tuk accident. I remember thinking no matter how crazy and stressful the situation was and how scared I was, I was just this feeling, overwhelming feeling of gratefulness. And all of a sudden, the wind picked up and gold leaf came from the temple and landed all over my leg. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> Jessica, that's amazing! I was like, story crazy, and so I, I picked up the pieces that fell on my leg, and I kept them in a little translation book that I had for many, many years. And I just, yeah, so I kind of took all the pieces of what you mentioned, you know, like something awe-inspiring, something challenging, something exciting, and that's uh, I would say that that all was rolled up into that trip and wow. every trip that since. So yeah, what that's about amazing. Um, well, that's beautiful. And I love the gold leaf um, reference there. And you're right. It does connect to all four of those things. Uh, mine's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to go straight to the ridiculous, the Ooh. hilarious. 
And I like you having something beautiful like gold leaf to talk about. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna talk about dog poo. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, tell me. I know. I don't know if I've I don't know if I've told I you this story it. before. But this story, actually, this might be also like my life-changing one. This might be my life-changing slash ridiculous. Life changed by dog poo. Life changed by dog poo, but you're you're right, like how they kind of all overlap. Because like when I was thinking about it, I really do have that breathtaking one. Okay. And and I do have a very difficult travel story that I I will share um, later. But this one, I don't know, this one epitomizes... um, I think just life abroad and all the challenges and changes and adjustments that have to be made. And, um, and you and I talked about doing an episode, which we're going to do about the four stages of culture shock. Um, and this kind of rolls all those four stages into one, uh, which is quite funny. And we'll unpack that a little bit more later, but the funny thing about this particular travel story is it was my actual first trip overseas to move overseas. I had done a couple over trip, overseas trips before. Just um, I went when I was younger to Nanny, when I was 15 with um, a, family, uh, a family member and their, their children. I'd gone you know, on a couple trips with, with my uh, now husband, but at the time my boyfriend. Um, this was my first though big, big crazy wild adventure trip and I think we were 26 27 at the time and we had decided we were moving to Turkey we had taken jobs we had said goodbye to our families um it was a big huge tearful farewell at the airport like my mom and sister Brian's mom and sister were there there were a lot of tears and those tears continued I will say for many years they they don't exist anymore. Now the farewells are like, uh, do you guys think you could Uber to the airport? It's, it's <laughs> you know, like it's shifted. Um, well, actually, now that we have children, um, you the, use them as excuses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we use them as excuses, and they've also like repeaked those emotions. But um, for a while, it it they they sort of dwindled away a little bit. But this story is funny because we'd left our families. It was emotional. We, I remember we had a layover in Toronto that we were like, the flight was delayed and we were late. We had to run and I'm not really a runner. Uh, running and me don't go well together. So we're like racing through the airport. <laughs> we barely make that flight. It was quite the trek because we weren't in Istanbul. We were living in like a more rural community in Turkey. And so I think we had like three layovers before we got to our uh, destination. So um, we had traveled from Edmonton, I believe, to Toronto, maybe London or somewhere in Europe, and then Istanbul. And so we land in Istanbul and we had brought our dog with us. Like we were moving there for two years. So we brought our dog, beautiful <laughs> dog. She uh, loved living in Turkey and, and it was great. But her first landing in Istanbul was quite interesting because we hadn't seen her in Toronto or whatever our layover was in Europe um, we weren't able to see the dog. So she had traveled like, I don't know, 20 hours and we'd bought in like all the, we'd bought all the little water dishes for inside her kennel that released water slowly. And she had her little food things. And so like, we took really good care of her on the journey. Um, but obviously she was very excited to see us and we were excited to see her in Istanbul, uh, where we had to get all of our luggage and then recheck onto a small domestic airline to go to the next destination. So we're in this giant Istanbul airport, which is, 
you know, something like I've never seen before. The size of the airport in and of itself is just amazing. And it's a beautiful airport. So we get all of our luggage and you imagine it's a lot. We were moving for two years. We have like all these huge suitcases and we have our dog kennel and our dog, by the way, was a Husky Akita. Like she wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. And so we, uh, we're standing, like we'd pulled everything out and I don't remember all the details, but I just know that there was a sliding door, like a double paned door that's opened, closed, and then opened, closed again. And I thought, I, and I'm quite impulsive, so I just grab a poo bag out of my bag or whatever that we'd brought along with us. And I said to my husband, like, you wait here with all the stuff. Like, Tika needs to go out. She needs to go to the bathroom. She's been, you know, on this plane for however many hours. So I just go straight out this door with nothing but the dog and an empty little bag. <laughs> and I left my passport. I left my purse. I left everything. Go straight out. And I had seen like outside the door, I saw a little patch, like a triangular patch of grass kind of across a little road, whatever. So I go out, she does her business. I like a good Canadian Samaritan does, I collect her business and I go to make my way back into the airport through that same door. Well, that door doesn't open from the outside. You can't get back into this airport through any of these doors. Um, And I, I don't remember exactly why, Brian couldn't open the door for me, but I think it had something to do with the fact that there were two doors. So he couldn't go through without getting locked out also. And so I just said, glass? Could you see each other? Yeah, we could see each other. They're glass doors. And so I think if he had gone through the one to come out and then the second one, he would also be locked out. So there was just no way to get both doors open. And so I just said to him casually like, oh, I'll go around. I'll go to the entrance. Well, on my route, I'm looking for a garbage can to throw this little bag of dog poo that I have. Well, there's no garbage cans, none, none at all to be seen, which I've learned now is the case in big major city, major metropolitan city, like hubs, um, those super airports that have a lot of flow tend to not have garbage cans public uh, for people to use. And so I could not find anywhere to put this bag of dog poo. (laughs) So then I get to the entrance thinking like in Edmonton, I can just walk straight into the airport. Yeah, you can. No, not in Istanbul and not in many countries I've learned. Not anymore. Um, Anywhere. Yeah, in many places you cannot just get into an airport. So to get into the airport, I needed a passport. I needed a boarding pass and I needed to go through a scanner. Well, I didn't have a passport. Speaking of dogs. They heard your story. They're hearing my story. Um, I didn't have a passport. I didn't have a scanner. Or sorry, I didn't have a passport. I didn't have uh, a boarding pass. And I had a bag of poo because there was no garbage can. And so long story short, they actually scanned the bag of dog poo. I tried to, I had no language. So I couldn't explain to them that this was garbage. I'm showing it to them. I'm holding it up. I'm like, it, you know, it's this little dark bag that you get from the park, little pulley things. And I'm like, You're pointing no. at the and I'm trying to point at that. Yeah. And I have my dog. Oh yeah. I had a dog and a bag of poo and no passport and no nothing. And they're looking well, at me like. Well, if you just would have had a bag of poo without the dog, that would have been more <laughs> shocking. That would have been even worse. But I mean, 
not it, people don't pick up dog poo in plastic bags all over the world and so this was something that was really confusing to everybody as i'm trying to enter this airport without any <laughs> any documentation and with a dog and a bag of poo and they're looking at me and i'm trying to explain that it's poo and i'm pointing at the dog and they're like what and like, then you're gonna have to scan that now right well and so then they do scan it and then because i told i explained that my husband was in they brought like a security guard to walk with me to my husband where i could show them my passport like we were able to and the poo <laughs> and the poo, the poo eventually went in the garbage. But the funny thing was, was they couldn't figure out what Did it they was. Give it back to you. <laughs> it, went through, it went through the scanner, and and they were trying to understand what I was saying when I was like, "It's the dogs, it's whatever." But the funniest part was when they realized that it was dog poo. I was going to uh, say, how long did that take? Well, but the expression on their faces weren't like, why are you bringing a dog or why are you bringing poo into the airport? Like, obviously they're like, oh yeah, we don't have garbage cans. Like that didn't confuse them. The part that was so confusing was like, why are you picking up your dog's poo with a plastic bag? Like they just <laughs> couldn't wrap their brain around that. They were just like, wait a second. Um, <laughs> it just wasn't something that was done there at the time. Maybe it is now, but um, this was many, many years ago. And they were just like, what is this crazy woman doing? <laughs> She's picking up dog poo and then trying to bring it into the airport. But they were super gracious. Terrorists. I Terrorists. know. Crazy, crazy lady coming in. But they were they so still gay, They still let you fly? They're like, I know. this crazy lady with this a complete, complete nutcase. And, and they did. They, they were so gracious and they were so um, <laughs> patient. And then, yeah, they eventually, they just threw it out. They're like, what the hell? And they just like dropped it in a bin and they're like, yeah, they, they sent me with an escort to go find Brian back at the door I was at. I showed my documentation and then we were on our way. But it was such a, it was such a funny story as far as my first ever, um, my first, my first, um, dive into international living. Like that was literally yeah. my first experience. And uh, it was hilarious, but at the same time, I will say it was kind of life-changing because it made me realize that nothing that was going to come was going to be easy. Everything mm -hmm. was going to be like carrying a bag of dog, <laughs> dog poo to a very, very <laughs> secure airport. <laughs> we should start using that as like a saying now. It's like, okay, now how bad was this adaptation moment? Well, was it as bad as... Was it dog know, poo? Trying to bring, or was it trying to bring breeze? dog poo into... <laughs> Was it dog kind of crazy? Yeah, dog poo in an airport or golden leaves at a temple? Where well, let's oh, bring that our scale. Range. I like that. Okay, so well, that's that's tapping into my life changing and my ridiculous. Um, I've had yeah. other life changing ones, but we don't need to get into that here. But let's see if you have another fun one for us. Sure. Let's do, let's uh, let's share out. You know, maybe maybe one more story um, uh, uh, each, and kind of like connect all of this to like how these kinds of reminiscing stories really help us through these difficult times mm -hmm. and it also helps us to share I think that's another really important piece is that these things continuously build bonds and friendships the more you share and absolutely uh, I, I love that story I think every <laughs> time you tell that story I've learned something new about it it's so good <laughs> and I think you hit it right on you know the nail on the head there where it's like okay that's our scale from now on is it like gold leaves falling from a temple or dog poo in an airport how bad was your situation um i'd like to i guess share um oh i mean there's always ridiculous stories but um I think just the first thing that comes to mind, and it was a, a trip I took last year with one of uh, our, our friends in common, 
uh, Guy and I went to uh, an incredible, you know, wine-inspired trip where we started in Chile over the Andes. And uh, one of the most amazing moments was biking through Mendoza, where we, you know, had wine, stopped at different places, laughed so much. And it was after being on this crazy windy bus over uh, in that area and uh, just had the most you know, amazing experience being able to combine senses. I think that's something incredible on trips is when you're really engaged in something, you are combining so many senses at the same time. And that was like, you know, that idea of movement, that exercise, that being in nature, that enjoying wine with someone that also enjoys it as 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 an experience i mean sure wine is you know delicious and it's lovely and it's also an experience and learning about the grapes and what it was like there and um from there we flew to buenos aires we explored um uh, what it is there downtown the food the music the people dancing in the street i mean argentina is full of all of um all that is life and culture and uh, then we ended our trip by taking a ferry over to Uruguay and randomly stumbled in, literally randomly. I mean, we were just walking and everything was closed because it was Easter, um, Easter, Easter Monday, I believe it was. So we were looking for some coffee shops and so many places closed and we're like, this is really, really empty. And then I said, oh, well, there's a place over there that's open. Why don't we see what's there? And it turned out to be the museum of the... Um, rugby team who experienced that uh, terrible crash in the 70s where they um, made a movie called Alive and there was a book oh, after wow. that and because we were the only ones there the the girl was welcomed welcomed us in uh, shut and locked the door gave us a complete private tour told us everything we wanted to know answered every question we wanted to ask, and we had the whole place to ourselves. We got to look at wreckage from the airplane. We got to learn that some of the survivors um, still do uh, conferences to this day, and uh, and I was really interested in the possibility of doing that and bringing it back to um, our students as an education experience, so we're still gonna look into that. And I mean, again, all of those pieces, the, the ridiculousness of like, what are we doing here with the, <laughs> wine and biking and then flying over and all of a sudden being in another place and another place. And those are experiences I never would have thought that I would have taken that kind of chance and risk on to just go to a place where the, the culture is so unfamiliar and just the confidence of we'll figure it out. We'll figure yeah. it out. We will just read and learn and ask and not be afraid to, you know, just go and that I think is the biggest gift of being abroad, living abroad, is just that empowerment you get from, you know what, if I can do that in the city that I'm in and just go out there, then what's next? Let me try something else. You just slowly build your confidence and your friend circle and you're able to do that. So yeah, that absolutely. is an experience I'd like to share. What about for you? What's your last one? Well, just before I go into that, it's just really interesting because, I mean, I never thought of that when I was kind of trying to come up with an idea for um, travel, the, I, the way in which like breathtaking and ridiculous and difficult and life-changing all do roll into one. And you said that when we first started and that just makes so much sense. 
Um, I have so many isolated moments of ridiculous and breathtaking and life-changing and- And most um, of them have been hard. with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but at the same time, there are so many that have rolled into one and that's that your story is a perfect example of how all those experiences have elements of those four things. And in fact, living overseas has elements of those four things every yeah. day sometimes like my trip to the grocery store can have those four things <laughs> all four of those and yeah. my trip to the grocery store, yeah my trip to the grocery store during this coronavirus social isolation my like little once every week or two quick super safe outing that i literally i get giddy when i get to go and do my little yeah. month, every week or two grocery shop i'm like <gasps> oh you get giddy every time you go into a grocery oh, store. oh i do yeah. love grocery stores i really do and and but right now like for me being yeah. as social as i am and um and as busy as much of a busy body as i am i like i like to be active i like to do things and so now i'm like tomorrow's wednesday i get to go to the <laughs> and so it is funny but but even those little experiences within your own cities can have yeah. those four elements Strong um, mm -hmm. i don't know which one i want to share i have a really difficult one but i think i might save that one for one when we talk about parenting uh, when we do a parenting podcast so i'm going to just share really quickly a breathtaking one and it's not a really long story um, I very spontaneously and without thinking mentioned last episode, um, when we talked about emergencies that I did experience a miscarriage in Korea. And mm -hmm. I do think it's, it's okay. And important that women just speak openly about that because it's, it's very common and it's very okay. And I think that we don't hear enough about it. And therefore when it does happen, you feel very, very much alone. And so I think that I'm going to be kind of open about it because um, it just happens and it happens and all important. the time and it's important. And I have two beautiful children since and, and whatever um, life has, has given me since then is, is different than that experience. But there was an experience very, um, very closely connected to that for me. And it was our spring break trip right after. And I think we had planned that spring break trip as a baby moon and mm. it didn't end up being a baby moon because I had lost the baby. And so um, I was really uh, nervous about how I was going to feel on that trip. And I ended up feeling, you know, I had mixed feelings, but I ended up feeling pretty amazing. And uh, we ended up going back there when my son was 11 months old and I was uh, like five months, six months pregnant, seven months, something like that, pregnant with my daughter. Um, and, and we took, oh, I'll, uh, yeah, we took my mom and my husband's dad. So they had both come to visit us for Christmas when my son was 11 months old and my, I was pregnant with my daughter. Um, they'd come to visit us for Christmas because we couldn't go home. Uh, I was too far along with, with pregnancy. And so we ended up taking them to this same place. Uh, and it was my second time going there. And it was so neat to go there a second time in such a different headspace and to share mm -hmm. that with family. And it was beautiful. So the amazing thing about that place is less to do with me and more to do with the place itself. So we flew to the Philippines from Korea we flew to Cebu, which was a direct flight from Seoul to Cebu. It was a, actually, they, I even have an airline called Cebu Pacific Air, which is a super quick, easy air uh, trip or a quick, easy flight. Um, but when you get there, you have to take, I think it's like a two hour drive to the coast. 
-hmm. and then like a 10 or 20 minute boat ride on these incredible boats that have these long, long prongs sticking out the side. And I'm actually Mm going to post a picture on our Facebook page of this because it's just so uh, unique. And these boats were something I'd never seen before, but you had to literally, you went out in a little boat and then you had to stand up and climb across on this big bamboo prong and then get into the other boat. And so just to simply get to this island was a feat. Like it was incredible to even get there. Yeah, and then we got there and we stayed in this little hut, like this little thatch roof hut on the beach. Um, this island, it's called Malapasqua. And the reason we picked it was because it was in one of our books called um, Journeys of a Lifetime by National Geographic. And so we thought, you know what, we're this close to this island, let's just go to it. Well, I will tell you, it is a journey of a lifetime. There are no cars, there are no bank machines. Uh, We had to be really careful with our money. But the food and the people and the little places to stay are just unreal. Um, it's not touristy. It, it has very minimal tourism, but beautiful places to stay if you are going there to visit. And um, the one thing that Brian and I challenged ourselves to do, um, because I was feeling a little bit off um, because of, of what I had just been through, um, I wasn't really settling into just like chilling and reading and whatever, like you would do on a mm-hmm. beach vacation. So we decided to give something new a try and we ended up getting certified as scuba divers. And wow. so, yeah, we got our scuba certification. I have not scuba do, scuba do, scuba dive. Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know the past tense of scuba. I think it's scuba dive. I haven't scuba dived. Dived, yeah. I haven't gone diving since um, because I luckily got pregnant very shortly after and then went through pregnancy baby, pregnancy baby, mm-hmm. et cetera. And you can't dive through those phases and, and, um, and we just haven't had the opportunity to since. Brian has continued to dive on a lot of our holidays, but it was just amazing going diving and doing that intensive, like we had to do training, we had to do workshops, we had to do online courses. Like it was, Patty, right? Yeah, we got Patty certified. It was just unreal. And I remember feeling under the water, you know, for someone like me that likes to talk and likes to move mm-hmm. and likes to be active, being under the water where you, you have to be so aware of your balance Still. and your stillness and you can't talk mm-hmm. and you're really having to focus on all these other things. It was such an incredibly powerful experience for me. It was, it was um, life-changing, I will say. Um, and at the same time, the island in itself was very breathtaking. Like it's out of this world. And later, a year later, when we took our parents, um, when I had my son and was pregnant with my daughter, I mean, my mom cliff dove there wow. and um, my father-in-law, you know, enjoyed every aspect of the beach and beach life that he could possibly enjoy. And we stayed again in these beautiful little thatch roofs, cabins, um, on the beach. Any, anyway, Malapasqua, if anyone ever finds themselves in the Philippines, it's, it's beautiful and it's quiet and it's pristine and it's, um, it's unique. And um, also the, the connection with the people there is just so beautiful because mm-hmm. it's not super touristy. And so you really get to enjoy just talking with and meeting people um, without um, without the hustle and bustle of like a town or a busy touristy spot. So anyway, that would be, I guess that falls into breathtaking and life-changing all in one. So that's my second story of the night. 
No, I think that's absolutely amazing. And I, and I think that um, it would be really fun to share our itineraries and our um, You mean, wait, you mean locations. the itineraries? The itineraries um, for spring break that neither of us get to actually do now? Well, I was going to say of those trips that we just <laughs> explained and our future itineraries, because um, I know a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of listeners and a lot of, a lot of people that would be interested in these kind of trips and haven't had those experiences might be really interested. Well, how do I do that? Or where would I go? Or what would I look for? How do I start? Mm-hmm. And so maybe um, sharing some examples of, well, this is, this is our, the itinerary we did. This is where we went. These are the recommendations we have, especially because as you just mentioned, these are not as common. You might not just, you know, type it in and find it and get mm-hmm. a package deal, you know, and this is like more authentic. So I think that's a great way to share it. And when you, Um, when you live overseas, when you live overseas and you do, I mean, one of the great privileges that we have when we live abroad is we do get to travel a little, a little bit more, um, especially in international education. Like we get really great holiday time and we're close to a lot of places and you sort of feel almost like, well, I'm living here. It would be a shame if I didn't go. Exactly. You know, like I'm living this close to, like you said, the Andes, like it would be a shame if mm-hmm. I didn't go. Like when we went, we actually went to Bangkok for a job fair, not for like a, a fun vacation, but even going to Bangkok for the job fair was like, well, it would be a shame if we didn't go to, you know, this temple and do these things. Like you really try to take advantage of your time abroad and the the, the places that you're close to because, you know, the earth is a really big place. And when you have mm-hmm. the luxury of seeing some of these spots via your job or your lifestyle that you've chosen, um, or you're living close to those places, it's really amazing that we get to do that. So I think it's, I think it's one of those things that it comes with traveling, but it's also one of those things that you have to do when you live overseas. And I also think that you're better equipped because as I mentioned, I mean, you, once you make that choice to live overseas, uh, or not just overseas, but in a, in a, you know, abroad, right. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever that means, right. um, Exactly. Uh, internationally for as ever close border is, or how many borders away it is from, from, um, from where your, your traditional, your first home base is. I think that it equips you to have more experiences and the more experiences Mm -hmm. you have, the easier it gets, the more tools that you learn and the more, um, uh, the more opportunities it brings to enjoy different forms of happiness and fulfillment and uh, that success feeling that you get when you've communicated something in, mm-hmm. with someone that was in a different language or you were able to you know, try a new food and it was amazing for you or there's so many different things that you can see and touch and feel and taste that you wouldn't have had that opportunity if you didn't just go out and try. And it isn't just booking, you know, it's a different experience than just booking a, you know, a five day trip on vacation to one place versus I'm living abroad. And now as somebody living abroad, I'm going on a new experience, but now it would be different than just going to a non-inclusive or something like that, which isn't, which isn't a a bad thing. It's just, no, and I still, I, I still will, I still will go, you know, to the occasional all-inclusive or I'll, I'll add one on for like two or three nights at the end of a trip, just because they're relaxing and sure and enjoyable with kids. But at the same time, I do agree with you. You're more equipped and you're a little bit braver to be like, "Hmm, you know what? Plus we travel more often, so we can't be spending a fortune every time we travel. And so you're more equipped to be like, you know what, I'm going to take the city bus or the local bus and I'm going to ride up the coast 
from Puerto Vallarta to Chicala on the local bus for $3 instead of renting, you know, a hundred dollar um, shuttle. And so you become a little bit more, I would say brave with mm-hmm. regards to how you travel. And when you become more brave, it also opens you up to a whole nother world of, of experiences because yes, people you meet and there's things that you can do along the way. And the wonderful thing is that people, I think, my my understanding and what I've learned overseas is people all over the world are by nature very kind and very welcoming and very excited to host you and to show you um, where they're from and the different foods and the cuisines. Um, when you leave the world of tourism mm-hmm. and you enter the world of just connection, I think there are some very rich relationships to be made and some very powerful learning experiences that can happen. And I do think that through travel um, and through brave sort of um, unleashed travel that we do when we are women abroad, um, I think that those opportunities become more prevalent. I agree. And I think um, that's a great place to just kind of like, um, you know, a place to pause and to just give our listeners that opportunity to process all these experiences mm-hmm. that we've shared and all the ranges that we've had. And um, this episode is all about not only, you know, reflection of these these wonderful experiences that we've been able to partake in, but um, reflection is what builds on learning, right? Mm-hmm. Is that it's, you only realized how much you've learned when you have the opportunity to reflect on it. Right. And, absolutely. Um, well, I reflecting that, on that, reflecting on that, I think you and I could probably put together our own little journey of a lifetime list. Like absolutely. we could probably do that. And, and, um, as we talk about ideas, we, Jessica and I both kind of reflected on our first couple podcasts and realized we're kind of making promises in our podcast of like, Oh, we'll talk about that later. Or, oh, we'll put that on our, on our Facebook page. And like, our intention is really to do that. And so, I mean, we might not follow through with all of them because they're very spontaneous, but at the same time, we do want to give these ideas and these tips and these different things to people. And so, um, so. And I'll we, hold Kyla accountable for she will. She all does. of those things get up. She does already. When I send her a message being like, Jessica, let's talk about this, this, this. She's like, Kyla, you, you already said we were going to talk about this. And so, so I'm yeah. just going to let you know how we, <laughs> no, it's, it's, good good. it's good. Yeah. It's well, good. I'm really glad uh, everyone was able to come and take a mental vacation with us. I think that we're living at a very uh, unique moment in time. I know that uh, so many pieces of information are telling us and reminding us that, that, oh, this is a challenging time. Oh, we've never, you know, and you can get drowned in um, a lot of the, the, the stressful information that's coming um, from, from news channels. And we know that it's important to be informed. It is mm-hmm. and take the proper precautions, but it is also important for our social and mental health to continue connecting with mm-hmm. each other through the means that we can at this moment, it's really connecting using these great tools that so many companies are just opening up for free, uh, or for their premium, um, in order uh, for premium packages, just to get people to use them as, as, as a support and I it's think incredible. That that's important to use it. So and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pretend that I'm not really upset that we didn't get to karaoke tonight. Well, we are, but with this mental vacation <laughs> we took, I think was great. This and is this, our this is our podcast version of the beach picture that everyone's sharing on Facebook. That everybody's yeah. And I think that I mean, take those opportunities that a lot of these um, you know, museums are offering free tours. Um mm-hmm. 
uh, Lonely Planet has a Take a Mental Vacation showing um, secret beaches around the world and different yeah, pictures absolutely. about that. There's um, plan your next vacation and then just don't put a date on it. I mean, yeah. you can still make your itinerary. You can still, I mean, the internet's there for mm -hmm. you to use and make those plans with friends and do it. And another thing I think that our listeners can do is text us, email us, help us figure out how to use this darn karaoke app. If there's <laughs> anybody that can... What, if anybody wants to hear us truly do an online live duet, we well, will do I will it just as say, soon as we figure it out. <laughs> I sang I sang a song last night by myself and actually posted it, which is like super which was amazing. Yeah, but so it. abnormal for me. But I did it because I was so frustrated about not being able to karaoke <laughs> that I was like, forget it. I'll just do it alone. But it'll be so much more fun together, and we have such a good song for it. Well, so. you know, it'll happen. It's just, it'll happen. You know, it's part of that adaptation phase is that we tried something. We'll try again. We'll try again. Absolutely. We'll and uh, it gives us more reasons to keep connecting. So I think that's um, um, a great experience that everybody can kind of relate and connect to. And, and, Absolutely. and, and we hope we do. So mm -hmm. we hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. Yes. Thank you for listening, you guys. Um, we are episode four i know we've episode done four, four. I, yeah episode four of broads abroad thank you for listening everyone see you next time <laughs>